Welcome to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore the connections between sexuality and spirituality, the various cultures and traditions of sex magic, and conversations about everything in between, led by a coven of curious modern witches. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is Sex Magic Podcast, our website is sexmagicpodcast.com, and if you want to send us an email, sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome back, lovers, to the Sex Magic Podcast. You have me, Isabella Frappier, today as your host. I am so excited to have this conversation. Today, I'm going to be talking to Sunny Hart, who is a full-spectrum birthkeeper. You might know that word sometimes as a doula. And it's through the lens of this work that she's come to make sense of the world. Currently, she's exploring the reciprocity of body and land and how the stories we are told and hold from the time we emerge onto this earth inform our journeys. She recognizes and finds solace in the body and life as cyclic, a spiral of constant expansion and contraction. She hopes to guide those she works with to find ways to deeply open to immense experiences, whether it is in joy or pain, to find the medicine and to feel the humanity in all its fragility and power. Welcome to the podcast, Sunny Heart. Hello, Isabella. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I'm so excited to chat to you today. For our listeners, you know that I love to talk all things sex, birth, cyclical beings, reclamation of the body, pregnancy, all of this good stuff. And Sunny is right there with me. We could be talking literally all day for this podcast. So you probably want to make yourself a cup of tea, get a blanket, get comfy. Yes, we're here for it. I want to do a little preface to this episode, and I don't know exactly what we'll end up talking about, listeners, because that's how I like to roll. But I want to preface the fact that we're going to be talking about birth, pregnancy, all different types of birth, including probably early birth, sometimes called miscarriages. We might even talk about terminations. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things that could be potentially triggering. Resource yourself in your nervous system. Take a pause if you need to and ground back down into the body. And we're going to be talking about our personal experiences, but also about our professional experiences. And by no means are these the full spectrum of those experiences. So if we're talking about, let's say, birth is a magical experience or pregnancy is a magical experience, and for you it's been a fucking shit show, that's valid and super present. Also, we're going to be talking about some things that have, I mean, just in the nature of anything to do with quote unquote female bodies. Um, They're rooted in some pretty traumatic things. We're talking about traumas to do with colonialization, race, the way that Western medical society treats quote unquote female bodies. We'll say birthing bodies is a more accurate and competent accompaniment um, as commodities, you know, so these are some challenging and tricky topics and subjects. And I just want to presence that we may not talk about it perfectly. It also may not be your lived experience. And we're just going to be in that big yes. end of exploring some of these dualities and spaces. Yes. (laughs) 
Thank you for that. And it's so important because, yeah, there's no way you can um, discuss and cover every experience because every birth is so different. (laughs) Absolutely. Even just like being, uh, so I'm someone that has interior reproductive anatomy. I have a menstrual cycle and even just each of my bleeds and each phase of my menstrual cycle is super different. Like one month or one cycle, cause mine are in, in months, my, I might feel really like outgoing and excitable during my mm. ovulation phase. And then another month I might feel really introverted. Like even our yeah. cycles are so different from each other. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all there to teach us some real (laughs) shit about ourselves. (laughs) Yes. Also, we are talking today, you won't be listening to this uh, on this day, but Sunny and I are talking today on a super full Scorpio moon, which is a really, a super important and sexy portal of time and space and a really great one to be having this conversation. So I'm super excited about that. And maybe listener, look up where the moon is, where you're listening right now, because that would be interesting to see. Absolutely. (laughs) And I'm actually also a Scorpio moon in my natal chart. So I'm feeling this one big and hard. I'm a Scorpio rising. So let's do it. Yes, bitch let's go Sonny let's start by can you tell us our listeners just like a little bit about your personal journey with I know this is a huge question so just go wherever you want with like your Mm -hmm. body with maybe your relationship to sex and magic and then let's dive into what happened for you and your fertility and pregnancy and birth journey Absolutely. I grew up with a um, pretty disconnected, disembodied experience of um, myself. Mm. And, you know, I think I was quite a confused, small person making their way through the world, like, you know, as clumsily as um, a baby goat. And (laughs) it was good. I did a lot of falling over, a lot of picking myself up. and I experienced uh, lots of uh, trauma in my teenage and early 20s because I'd never really been taught how to stand up for myself. Mm. I, um, my mother, God bless her, is um, or was, she's doing some really big work, but um, was quite a martyr in, in my childhood. And um, so that kind of models to you as Mm -hmm. um, a young woman that uh, it's better to uh, abandon yourself um, for other people than to uh, stay with yourself and disappoint other people. Mm. (laughs) Uh, So that really was my experience growing up. Um, And it wasn't until I became pregnant that I really started to understand what it was to be embodied because Mm. um, I do innately have a very primal, wild nature about me. It was just very much um, shut down or, Mm. um, you know, wronged in my uh, upbringing. Um, I mean, I mean, credit to my mom. I always remember she let us run outside naked in the rain whenever it was raining oh, and I feel like feeling. that was <laughs> I feel like that was her like you know that was like our innate kind of wildness and she she saw that and um it's through no fault of her own just intergenerational trauma that she um also had this other side but um 
yeah, I do. I do have this like primordial kind of um, deep earthly fiery energy and that all kind of came alive when I was pregnant mm. the first time. Um, and I just, I just decided that I wasn't going to um, uh, people please anymore. And I was just going to really honor everything I was feeling and my emotions got really big and wild and out of control because, you know, hormones and um, just you're a lot more uh, open, cracked open, and it's very hard to suppress or even uh, pull on those those schemas and those coping mechanisms mm. that, you, that you've built up through a lifetime. Um, and it was so good for me. It was like, yeah, deep destruction um of uh you know a certain set of beliefs and um yeah purification Mm. and coming back home to myself and like a deep remembrance really Mm. um so yeah what stage of your pregnancy did you feel like that sort of came through did you feel that immediately that feeling of like I'm just gonna fucking be the most myself and just take up this space of my uniqueness or did it develop I don't actually think I don't I don't think it was ever conscious like Mm. I don't think I made the decision I think it's just it's it just sort of unfurled and happened that way. And when I look back on it retrospectively, I was like, that was the first fucking time I ever just um, lived for my good self. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, I think having like the birth that I did the first time around, which was, um, you know, my body just did the damn thing. Uh <laughs> It was super empowering because I I didn't get in my own way and um, it taught me so much about how much power I have when I just trust in um, those, yeah, instincts and don't overthink everything all the time. So um, I guess through that, like connecting to my body, um, I innately started to explore bodies in general understanding that I am a body on a body of land and um really just felt pulled back to the earth um Mm. and felt all my witchiness come alive and um started understanding cycles and cyclic living Mm. and birth and um you know bloom decay death rebirth um and that just was like salvation to me because it meant that I had an anchor to come back to um at any time when things felt really lost or awash and you know overwhelm or whatever it is I could just go I could fall back into deep trust mm. and know that I'm in a contraction right now or, you know, this is um, another death <laughs> and after this I'm going to have an expansion or there's going to be a rebirth and there's that time of integration, which now I like, I like lick it up and like <laughs> treasure and like I don't even sometimes know when I'm in it. I just know that like shit's a bit fucked up right now but um that's okay. (laughs) And I'm just going to take care and go slow 
and um, and ask myself, how can I just invite a little bit more ease into the mm. world, right, into my own life right now? And then I always come out the other side. It always happens. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I struggled a little bit with mental health um, in my earlier years like mm-hmm. in my teens and early 20s I had in my teens I, I had depression and in my early 20s I was super anxious um and I think that also was like you know from for me my personal experience that was a product of being so unaware of my body and um mm just getting so caught up in everything outside of it and the exterior world and like coming back home and into my body, it just, just, it's, and then connecting back to the earth in that body is like medicine forever to me. (laughs) So yeah, that's a little bit of a little snapshot, I guess. Beautiful. I love the feeling of coming back to the body is the first place of safety like it really is our first home and the most important one absolutely and um as a mother as well um teaching my children that has been so healing Mm. for me and guiding them to ask you know how does that feel in my body um and like my son my oldest son fox is seven and he'll always do hilarious, like has a hilarious spin on it. And it's like, well, my head says burgers, but my body <laughs> says pizza. <laughs> oh, like, that's so cute. Go with your body, babe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it is. It's truly, um, it's it's like activism, you know. It's it, Coming back to the body is is uh, resistance in this world that, wants to make us feel like mm. you know I'm I'm like really at odds with the wellness world right now and even kind of the birth space um on the internet mm-hmm. and all of and like even you know yeah the spiritual online wellness space right now is really fucking getting <laughs> me going mm-hmm. um I just kind of you know I've been thinking about it a lot and it's can really just be a product of capitalism because um, we're constantly trying to tell people that they're not, that they're broken and they need help. And rarely are we guiding them back to themselves and to, you know, this place of safety in the body before kind of responding or just even letting them know that once they come back to the body, take a pause they can realize that there's like an infinite amount of choices from that Mm -hmm. space. But instead we funnel people into like different (laughs) versions of disarray or feeling like they need fixing um, or like that they need a guru or like a teacher or a health coach or a business coach or whatever it is. Um, But we're not teaching them to come back to themselves before they start seeking outward. Um, and yeah, so that's a big part of what I'm doing with the people that I work with as a, as a doula. Um, and 
I'm a perpetual student myself, but I, I do think like uh, I believe that there are many chai shops on the road to enlightenment, on the road to nirvana. <laughs> so I'm all for just like moving along, finding what like feels good and sits good in your body, taking space and time to integrate it and, and embody those um, lessons or messages or knowings or, you know, rememberings and um and moving from from there yeah I feel that so deeply I a big part of my personal catalyst into my current professional work was really seeing I mean and experiencing firsthand how much the western medical community but also definitely you know society and the media at large tries to disenfranchise and disempower the individuals so that they can sell whatever shit they want to sell to you and that doesn't work unless they break you first right absolutely like you're not gonna buy glue if nothing's broken and I just really appreciate that like that's the foundation of my work is is trying to support people into feeling like they are their own guru and don't Mm -hmm. need someone external and then from that point of like this seat of personal power and authority, you might be like, you know what? I want to, let's say, expand my business. And like from that empowered space, I'm going to fucking hire a business coach because that's going to take me to the next level. But if you're just like scrolling Instagram and then you read this thing of this person that hits the right pain points for you. And then all of a sudden you feel like the need, I guess that's where it's coming from for me. Mm -hmm. It's like shifting people out of certain needs and and being more clear in wants, like I want a business coach or I want a doula or I want to give birth this way, not I need to give birth this way because of fear and conditioning. Yes, yes, that is so, <laughs> that's it. Like we deserve support. Yes. Um, we all do. Like none of us can do this alone. And, yeah, there's. I am not like um, this is not an attack on people who are here to like help guide I think I think that is integral but it is it's it's the difference between coming from a seated place or like outwardly seeking uh, trying to find someone who's going to save you or up level you or do it for you and you know I've even found this in um my own work with with like clients like I've I've literally just in the uh, last little while changed all of the language on my website because I realized that um maybe I was also you know like I'm thinking these things because they were a shadow in myself mm-hmm. and I was I felt like I was um opening myself up or not being clear enough in my boundaries on my website that I was attracting certain people that wanted me to do the job for them mm-hmm. um and I'm sorry I can't. God, I felt that too yeah <laughs> yeah it's so funny with birth in particular because it's like I literally cannot do this for you but I can help you feel like you can do it that's it like as a doula we do not empower our clients we teach them how to empower themselves yes. you know and that is usually well, always about coming to the body and recognizing how much choice you have in that moment. You never don't have a choice in that moment. Um, and I guess learning how to 
tend to ourselves and like just deep becoming deep tenderness to um, ourselves and, and a doula or a co- you know coach or someone that can birth work I don't know we'll talk about birth I'm not going to go too far and wide <laughs> but um that can be a tool that a doula can show a birthing person is like how to tend to your pain over just like tolerating it mm-hmm. or over um starting to uh, disassociate from it and just tend to it stay with it stay in the body and like just by doing little acts like that mm-hmm. you find more courage um to you know inquire within and and ask yourself what you need right now in this moment as opposed to going hey can somebody help me <laughs> like eh. yeah so yeah even the uh very common refrain I heard the most when I was doing birth support was like you can do this and it always yeah. just made my skin crawl for some reason yeah. I'm oh like they know they can do it like for me when I hear you can do this I or when I listen to someone saying you can do this, what I think I hear is I need you to do this or I yes. want you to do this. Because yes. like, if I can do it, why are you saying it? Mm-hmm. Right? Totally. There is such a weird script that happens in birth spaces, especially institutionalized birth spaces mm-hmm. that where there's people who have been at like however many births that day. And it is this gross um script that comes from like it's just this weird kind of repetitive (laughs) dialogue that keeps playing like you can do this you've got this mama like (sighs) just like what I I can't even like just remembering it makes me feel like squicky yeah it's ick and um there's no intention. So anyone yeah. who's listening to this who has a uh, support person, and I really recommend that if you are birthing, whether it's with a partner or without, please find yourself a support person. You deserve support. Fuck yes. But um, I want to say that the most important thing about supporting a birthing person or anyone is the intention behind it. So if um, I just... I, even partners, I, I, I can see them sometimes get caught in a loop because, you know, they've been told what to, to say. They've been told the mm-hmm. things that might help, you know, their partner feel better while they're in labor, but it will just become like, you know, because they're not looking after their own selves and they're trying their best, but it will just start yeah. to feel like, um, you know, like an announcement at, a carnival like just the same thing over and over again (laughs) um yeah so intention and is is key really I feel like that's part of for me at least like reason one million and one why it's so important if you have the privileged resources and access to a, a birthing person even if you have a partner with you because that birthing person that birthing support person excuse me can be they can hold the space for you, the birthing person, or you, the partner of the birthing person, mm. to do that work and be as present as possible. Even things like getting you food, you know, bringing you water, yes. fielding. One of the things I love to do when I was doing birth doula work is uh, fielding like calls and texts with family members so they can be really protected in that kind of bubble space. And just being like the 
best advice I could give anyone that's going to be about support is just be as present as you can. Like how much space can you hold for this moment without trying to change it? A hundred percent. That's perfect. And I think, yeah, a lot of the times I am supporting the partner more than the birthing person. That's when I know I've done my job really well. Yes, I like that. Like, yeah, when I can just go into space. I mean, also it's such an honor and a privilege when I can be connected with the Mm -hmm. birthing person and, you know, help, you know, just ensure that they're present and in their bodies. But um, really like when I'm working with a family in preparation to birth, it's, it's about the, the triad or the whole family unit and Mm -hmm. kind of figuring out like how each person uh, receives love and like what it is that um, each of them need in the moment of um, exhaustion or overwhelm and like just kind of looking at all of those um, puzzle pieces so that when by the time that we get to that space there's like so much more fluidity and we kind of are all on the same page and um, it can just flow mm. um, yeah so uh, yeah I also just like (laughs) want to be honest about my own ego for a moment of, for me at least, like being around birth is such an incredible drug. Like it is such um, just amazing mind-bending medicine. And like for me at least, like you feel greedy. Like you want to be there plugged in on the wavelength. Like you want to be the person that's, you know, making eye contact and holding that space and being there. And for me, it was so healing to learn how to get out of my own fucking way and get out of my ego and realize that none of this is to do with me. Mm. And all I can do is literally and figuratively and metaphorically and spiritually and sexually and everything just hold the space. Yeah, totally. And I think a lot of people actually move towards birth work because they do have a savior mentality and they do think they want to be the person to help somebody have like some incredible birth experience. Mm -hmm. And it's been a huge journey of my own because um, I had two like beautiful births and it wasn't that hard for me to get those beautiful births they kind of just happen and I'm I, I I never wanted to say that I was lucky I wanted to say that you know I worked for that but the more I do this work the more I realize that I know fuck all <laughs> and um, like I you know every person I work with teaches me so much like every client and family I I support gives me a whole new universe of um, experience and knowledge in the space. But also when I meet another, it's just coming back to the fact that every experience is different. People have lived entire lives before, you mm-hmm. know, coming to this moment. And, and there's so much in that, um, that as a doula, you don't know everything. You can do your best to try and traverse that and understand a lot of it. But at the end of the day, the stories live in their bodies and we birth in the way that we live. And, um, you know, who am I or who is anybody to um, make anyone feel any less or any better for the way that they birth? You know, this is um, part of their journey 
in life and we have so much fixation and I did also like on that the way that this baby comes out and it does you know there's obviously so much to say about this in terms of obstetric violence and coercion mm-hmm. and all of the fucked up things that that do lead to birth trauma and one in three people have birth trauma and that is not acceptable in any way state form or universe but like we need to honor birthing people um and if we do that if we can honor them and bring reverence back to this experience and um help them know that they have owned this experience and help them find the tools and resources to own the experience then whatever the fuck happens in that birth is is what's supposed to happen that's like that's their journey and every single birth teaches us so much about ourselves and usually i would say um that um what it teaches us is the thing that we need to parent that child in in this life so um mm, that's what that's they awesome. yeah that's what they're here to show us you know and so people have really hard pregnancies and get really, really sick. And um, often I will see that those are the kinds of people that um, are really productivity based and very linear and need to get things done and always moving towards a new goal and a new achievement. And often these people are the ones that get really sick. I mean, sometimes people just get sick as well, but, but truly I've seen this kind of, um, you know, pregnancy sickness or HG or whatever it is kind of stop people in their tracks. And it's probably the thing that they really, really needed as well. Um, And then also I've seen it happen to people where it's just truly unfair. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that so the case with like, with birth, with pregnancy, sometimes it's just fucked. And I find the, I find the lack of duality and the lack of conflict holding to be the most challenging thing. Like we're saying earlier of like the online wellness space of like, Mm. yes, sometimes your pregnancy or your birth is an incredibly profound experience that gives you wonderful medicine. And other times for whatever reasons, particularly for systemic reasons for many folks, like it's just terrible and it's an awful experience. And I really feel like we do people a great service when we encourage them to pick if they want to see something as, you know, medicine or if they want it to just be situational. Mm, Absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah. And, and holding the tension of the opposite. So things can be really hard and shit Mm -hmm. and they can have medicine in that as well and and doing everything away with toxic positivity and spiritual bypassing and like yuck like and you know truly that really is a lot of the birth world I think is yeah. like glossing it all over like Love and I, thoughts and oh prayers yeah like just and and I think if we really want to change the system we have to start being a lot more honest and a lot more gritty and having the really hard conversations um 
about the space um, and like starting to, you know, do away with all the glossy shit and all the talking about the radiance and the and the kind of self-care that looks like fucking, you know, soft baths and <laughs> um, manicures um, where you can't even see your own toes because you're so pregnant. Like it's just um, it's being sold as a commodity. And I think it's really dangerous because it's taking us further and further away from ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I think finding a right support person who sees you and can hold space um, for you to explore everything yourself is is key, really. Yeah, I feel um, it's interesting because for me, just for our listeners, um, for context, I've had two pregnancies and two early births and no living children. And both of those experiences were really profoundly different. And one of those uh, pregnancies was very welcomed and the other one was very much not like just to be honest with everyone. And I found for me that, that my second experience was something I was able at that stage of my life to really like welcome and lean into and be with. And I felt a, profound cellular shift in my being as soon as I knew I was pregnant much before uh, a test could confirm that and then losing that pregnancy was actually also incredibly wonderful and excruciating uh, really really physically intense but such an incredible portal of life and death and birth Mm. all mixed together at the same time. And I felt um, deeply in my shaman archetype during that experience. And then when I started to share this very, very tender thing that I had gone through with people, I was so rocked, even as someone that has experienced grief and, and has also experienced how poorly lots of people cope were with adjacent grief Mm. I was rocked by people's responses to my miscarriage like they just the things that they said while so well-intentioned were so far off of like helpful and nourishing and present and it was the best medicine I've gotten about how important it is to just be with someone but also like you're saying like not sugar-coated and be really honest about all of the complexities of the experience because they're not tidy and neat and organized. And for me, it was just a huge yes and wrapped in a yes, but, you know, like it was so many things all at once. Yeah, absolutely. And I wish I had like more, and the reason I'm even talking about it is because I want someone to listen to this and go, oh, fuck, that was me too. Or to remember this if they go through it. And I didn't have, and I don't think we as society have, almost any models for complexities of birth, for nuances, for not being this like infantilized, like pink lace cutesy experience. And it, Mm. for me, wasn't that at all. It was like mud and blood and dirt and amazing. And that's what it fucking is. And, (laughs) you know, I just, yeah, it's so brutal and so beautiful at the same time. And, um, 
and that is the, that's the magic of it all right there and also thank you for sharing that experience um and I'm sorry that people couldn't meet you in that and mm. I think that we're not we we don't have a culture of birth around us we do not know really how to yeah. talk about it and um people even like like after you give birth like you just want to talk about it you want to even if it's been a fucked up one like at some point you're gonna need to start to debrief and process what has happened to you because you don't want that to live in your body and go sour and um and people never ask like about those gritty details like I wished people would ask me like you know did you shit like (laughs) like you know was there any at any point where you thought you couldn't do this was there at any point that did you feel like um you know you were connected to your ancestors or you Mm -hmm. were you know in another dimension or like there's so many there's so many questions that we could ask about this it's it's so um huge and and dynamic and big and and like in the dirt and in the heavens and all over the place. Like we could really have some beautiful conversations, but we're sold birth as this. Um, I mean, the media sells birth as this hilarious, dramatic yes. like thing. Or, um, you know, in our families, I guess there really isn't that much sharing and storytelling going on. And, um, you know, as humans, we do have a bias towards pain and um, the the trauma of things, and so that is the the part of the story that is often told. And yeah, um, trauma again, it happens, but also what's happened in the lead up to that trauma? Like, how were you in your pregnancy? How what? How did it feel to be in your body? How did it feel to go into labor? Or if you never went, you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of other nuances and questions around just that. Yeah. Yeah. People really just say like, how's the baby? How's the baby sleeping? And like, maybe, maybe like, how was your birth experience? Like, maybe yeah. at best. And yeah. I really recommend um, for anyone listening that's like, hmm, I want to know more about this like real nitty gritty shit. Uh, I really recommend the book Like a Mother. It is one of my absolute favorite um, books around pregnancy and motherhood. And it's a great book for anyone to read. Uh, regardless of your agenda, your desire to birth, like it is just, fuck, I would say one of the books that's changed my life the most. I mean, we've all had a birth experience. Yep. Like we've all come from <laughs> birth. It is so crazy to me that um, we wait until we're pregnant to start learning about birth and um, pregnancy and babies in the body. Like this is, even if we never want to have children, like, there is still so much we can gain from understanding birth because it's happened to us, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's why I say like literally anyone and everyone should read this book because it really also helps you understand like how powerful and magical and incredible bodies are that have uteruses that can make babies regardless of if you want to or not like it is just holy shit and I thought I was very educated on birth and I was reading and I was like it does what now yeah and they talk about like how if we researched birth more the implications for um 
things like organ transplants would be enormous because pregnancy is the only time, and I could be wrong, dear listeners, but this is based on what I've learned from this book, which is very evidence-based. Pregnancy is the only time that uh, the body uh, usually and not always tolerates a foreign body in it. And why don't we research that more? That's wild. Yeah. (laughs) There's so many. I love that hot tip. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, pregnancy and birth, I mean, birth is, can be the most embodied thing that we do. (laughs) Um, And when we are embodied, we open ourselves up to pain and grief and discomfort and also pleasure and joy. And, you know, we are able to be in both of those spaces at once because we are resourced in our body and our nervous system. Um, And that is what will, you know, provide like uh, allow you to to meet the medicine, I think, Mm -hmm. is and, and stay with the experience, you know, no matter how it unfolds um, and yeah, meet the mud and, and get, get deep into it and get all the glory out of it. Cause like, yes. it's delicious. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> the poison is also the medicine. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like for me, like it has been just such a deeply magical experience. And I think regardless of kind of people's personal views around conception and birth like it's pretty inarguable that it's wildly magical that you can rub cells together and like make a whole human being with your body Mm -hmm. yeah ain't nothing (laughs) and then nourish it for like a year with your body like it is and longer like you then also grow babies on the outside with breast milk Mm -hmm. and like it you know it's bonkers (laughs) it really is so magical and it's like an everyday miracle that this thing happens um that doesn't get treated with the reverence that it should you know um people just look at because it's so everyday and like so ordinary that we've just come to accept that that's what uh, women and birthing people do and then they mm-hmm. become mothers and that's they've got this endless amount of like generosity and um, patience to give and it's like it takes a lot to kind of, it is a huge yeah. um, like you have to fall to pieces um, while growing a child in your body and like spiritually you are shattered and discombobulated and you bring it all back together and it is this huge transition it is so wild and big and um we haven't taken the time to acknowledge that for so many years and I believe that it's starting to happen now and I do see the culture changing and mothers um finding their voices and empowering each other and hopefully um, soon enough that will, you know, broaden again and people will start to recognize, you know, who's actually doing the big work. <laughs> yeah, in like this really unescapable way. I mean, I suppose there are ways you can escape motherhood, but if you're a kind of person that wants to show up for it and be there, it's like just never ending. 
it's relentless and endless and and um you know it's this culture is not built to help mothers and mm-hmm. parents thrive it is built to maybe allow them to survive at the very base level and usually not as well mm. like the bottom falls out all the fucking time and we see that um in postpartum depression in um you know pelvic health issues in um families falling apart in in um like the maternal death rates mm-hmm. you know especially in BIPOC communities who are even less supported mm-hmm. like which is already bad like yeah. and now yeah and so um yeah society we certainly don't live in a society that is um recognizing the magic yeah I wonder what advice would you have for folks who are maybe like navigating motherhood whether it's through you know preconception pregnancy postpartum or they have you know little or any aged little ones on like how to help resource yourself so that you're kind of within that um, I'm seeing tarot for the imagery. So like within that kind of empress tarot mm. archetype rather than more of like a martyr, like five of pentacles. Ah, where is, where is my mm-hmm. feeling? How can we mm-hmm. encourage those feelings? Other than like massive systemic change that we can't necessarily <laughs> no. keep our fingers and do. <laughs> I mean, uh, this is definitely my jam and, uh, I think actually my favorite part of working with people is meeting with them um, a few months after the birth, like when they're kind of deep in the postpartum and they're going, okay, now what the fuck do I do? (laughs) Um, And so this is where I think what saved me was um, recognizing cycles. And and just in that, like you might not have – you might not be someone who has an affinity with the moon like you do innately, but maybe you haven't recognized that before, but finding ways to create ritual um, in your life so that you can start to recognize that we are not living in a linear way um, and start to move in cycles. So you start to recognize when you have peaks of energy and when you're, um, you know, your energy is low and honoring those spaces. And I guess, you know, this world is habituated to fastness and to speed Mm -hmm. and to progress. And so if we can just start to um, slow everything down and start to attune to the expansiveness and the amount of choices and, like, Mm -hmm. start to invite pleasure and like create containers of beauty all around us that truly is what has saved me and you can anybody can do this like what makes you feel good and we can start by looking or using our senses our our sensory gateways to um ignite feelings of pleasure or joy and just um coming back into our bodies and starting to um feel good that you know 
that is autonomy. That is, um, that is a place of power and it comes, it's, it's not that hard to access no matter who you are. It's just about, um, detaching from narratives and detaching from storylines and actually just really feeling into the sensory faculty, whether it is smells or textures or tastes or, um, uh, Isabella and I have had many discussions of just the medicine of lying on the earth and oh, the best. <laughs> and like looking up at the sky and just go taking some really big breaths. And I think that that's how we can do it. We, we can begin to relish in life as opposed to um, buy in to burnout and buy mm. into, um, you know, uh, the death culture <laughs> let's yeah, buy so into stop. the life culture <laughs> yes we need to stop yeah. sucking capitalism's dick so hard and so um, urgently um, there's a really you, yeah oh sorry are you a fan of uh adrian marie brown of course pleasure. yes, yes. So much and pleasure activism one of my favorites yeah. so she talks about she says be life moving towards life mm. and i think in the birth space, like in all of, um, you know, the childbirth continuum, wherever we may be and just in life, but, you know, this is such an embodied big time. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you are in the process of creating life, whether that life ends up, you know, walking on the earth or not. At some point there is life and sometimes also death in living within your body. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but if we, you know, find the, um, the, the innate power to, to, to relish in that life. Um, I think that, that there is the medicine, no matter how hard it can be, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. And there's also, um, for listeners who want to dive a bit deeper into the feelings of burnout and what we like, what are evidence-based ways we can actually support burnout. I really recommend uh, Emily Nagoski's book, Burnout. Uh, more commonly known, uh, her book, Come As You Are, which is also wonderful. Uh, but this one really dives into like evidence-based nervous system downregulation techniques. Because like Sunny and I are talking about, often people are like, you just need more baths and pedicures. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And it's really important that we as all humans, and I think never more important than mothers and birthing folks and pregnant people, that we consciously buy out of this martyr complex because it really feeds a delicious part of our ego that's like, oh, Mm. we're so needed. Oh, everybody needs Mm. me so bad. Mm. But the truth is they don't and they'll be fine without you just like they're fine with you. And the best thing you can do is just model that beautiful life force energy because we have to remember no matter who we're around but never more so than impressionable little sponges that they're watching you they're not listening to you so you can tell them like it's important to respect your boundaries and take care of yourself but if you're not doing that that's what they're watching and copying 100 percent and and self-sacrifice is not driven by love and it's not Mm. driven by life it is driven by that patriarchal wound to appease other people and 
that's what you're teaching your children to do. So full circle right now. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, it's not comfortable to move away from that. I even experience it like in my relationship with my romantic partner, who's an adult that can communicate with me. Um, Mm. that feeling of like, I just want to caretake for you and I want to fix things. And society, patriarchy will have you thinking that martyrdom is love. And it just really isn't. Unfortunately, it's just a really common way to feed your ego. And I know that doesn't sound good to hear. And I know a lot of people hearing that will go, that's not true. I'm doing it because I'm selfless, but I don't think one so. of the hardest <laughs> one of the hardest conversations I ever had with my own mother was about martyrdom and mm. and it was really so painful because she was doing the best that she could and that's what she said and mm-hmm. she she broke down to me on the phone and this is when I was pregnant first time and like it all just started revealing itself to me because I was like what kind of mother do I want to be and I was like, I don't want to be a martyr. I don't want to be this. And I and I called her out. I called her up and I was like, probably too harsh because, you know, there was no filter at the time and I was very clumsy at those things back then. But she, she broke down and was like, I was doing the best that I possibly could. And I believe that because she didn't have the resources and that's what she was modelled and, um. And, you know, a lot of that generation were that way. But it's, um, it's important now that we have, are having these conversations that we do our utmost to um, break that curse and um, change it for our children and for future generations. Absolutely. Yeah. I really deeply feel, and I know a lot of people don't care for this, but I really deeply believe and feel that everybody is always doing their best. And sometimes their best is absolutely terrible for you. Yeah. That's (laughs) still their best. And I just, as a recovering people pleaser and perfectionist, I feel like Mm -hmm. I can hear the heart of people listening to this going like, but I'm trying to do my best. And if you're trying to do your best and be conscious about martyrdom or anything we're speaking about, you are doing your best and you're crushing it. And one of the practices that helps me the most that I hope will be helpful for our listeners is just orienting, picking something that you're orienting towards and notice when you veer off course, like orient away from martyrdom and towards self-pleasure and an overflowing cup and just notice when you're veering off course and adjust without self-criticism and self-judgment totally and just speak to it I think that is like if when you notice you're doing the thing uh just speak to it out loud and and that's just having that awareness is just like you're not going to get it perfect when moving away from perfectionism <laughs> yes, <here>. please. <laughs> and towards self-compassion and self-love and acceptance and um yeah just speaking to it and orienting is is so helpful mm. I wonder for you Sunny how has your relationship and just as much as you're comfortable speaking on of course but how has your relationship to sex and your sexuality changed throughout this these transitions in your life oh it's been a journey (laughs) (laughs) it's been a really big journey um I think honestly 
I don't know if this is a lot of, I think this is a lot of people's experience, but um, as a woman or people who are socialized as women, I think we are taught that our bodies are just vessels for um, a penis and we're not taught that it's supposed to feel good. Mm-hmm. Um And so for a long time in my life, I, you know, I would just lie down and be the thing like that Mm -hmm. cops the penis or, and that's just was my role. And I kind of, um, you know, I had my own self-pleasure practice, but even that was kind of external and not um, Mm. deeply connected at all. Like it was a bit more, uh, yeah. And so I think coming back to, I guess, motherhood tore me to pieces and and blew me up. And um, for a long time, I felt my, I wasn't familiar with my body because there had been so many shifts and changes. And I felt like my pleasure centers had moved and like, Mm. I didn't really know where to access them. I didn't really know what turned me on anymore. And so um, I was pretty lost and like didn't really want to be touched for a very very long time um and if I did it felt like I was giving more you know like uh Esther Perel talks about this a lot where my favorite my yeah, crush <laughs> love <laughs> but um domesticity and eroticism you oh. know they're opposites <laughs> you know Absolutely. they're on other sides of the planet and so um and I, and I felt, I feel that all the time and having that, listening to that and having that um, conversation and, and awareness was so helpful because I couldn't understand that, you know, when you're giving and giving as a mother, like it's very outward energy all of the time. By the time you, you know, are in bed at the end of the night with your partner, and um, you want desperately to connect and to feel intimacy, but uh, without the awareness, it ends up just feel, you feel like you're giving more. And especially mm. in a like a female body, you're just like it's more giving. I and like if you aren't um, haven't been uh, exercising or, or um, yeah that that receiving muscle because it is really like an exercise and a practice that that we need to work on, especially as carers and um, nurturers in the world. If if you've ignored that skill and to receive, it's very, very hard to like open up to pleasure and feel good. So that, that's been a big part of my journey mm. is um, learning how to receive And, you know, that, again, comes back to martyrdom. Martyrs do not want to receive anything. Um, And we can do this in so many ways. Um, And I think, again, slowness, intention, you can receive a glass of water if, like, Mm -hmm. you do it in the right way. Um, And uh, nature can be so beautiful for that. And, um, yeah, so that's been a big part of my journey I I also um I also found an embodiment practice of moving and dancing which was huge Mm. for me as well because that also helps to ignite like an inner sensuality and I um I with my clients I 
kind of, I don't prescribe much, but I do prescribe. <laughs> I can't do that. I'm only a doula, but I do <laughs> prescribe um, a dance a day and to like dance from within and move like in a non-linear way and let your body or your womb or your pussy move you. Um, and cause that has been wildly expansive for me and um, it just kind of, breaks the circuit of kind you know giving and operating an outward energy so yes I receive now and I you know my partner and I are in a much better place where it's not just um you know and I think also a big part of it was learning my fuck no as well Mm. like I when I don't want to have sex, I say no. And that's really good instead of just being like, okay, I'll do this service for you Mm. because it's been some time and I haven't felt like it, but I can see that you're getting kind of antsy and need your release. Instead, let's just talk about that. Where are you at? Where am I at? Let's check in. Let's actually find other ways to be intimate Mm. if I don't feel like being penetrated tonight. But even just by having those conversations means that I'm far more into it and far more open um, to receiving. So, mm. yeah, it's a huge it's journey, one that's always up early. Yeah. <laughs> I love uh, non-linear sensual movement. And for folks that are hearing that and like, what, how can I get started in that? Come join me and my community in Erotic in Motion because you will love it. Mm. Um, movement is such a key and important part of connecting with the self and particularly when we can get out of the head enough my favorite thing to say in these sessions that I lead is give yourself permission to not judge your movement yes and like give yourself permission for it to not look like dance whatever that means to you yes fuck the two <laughs> step no two steps allowed <laughs> oh this makes me so happy what advice would you have for mums on like how to prioritize eroticism in their lives because mm. I think that's something that can be so tricky and I love how you're speaking to like say no when it's a no for you and like fuck yes and I'll also add something that I notice a lot when I'm working with couples um who are navigating parenthood for the first time particularly is the whichever the primary parent is who gets the most touch is probably going to be the least interested in sex. So have a conversation between two of you about who that is and then can that other person step up to be the person that tries to charge your erotic battery? Like can it be their job to flirt with you and seduce you? And like if you're a no, can you say to them, I'm such a no right now because I just do not feel connected to my eroticism here are some things that you could do that would really help me over the coming weeks to really connect in with that. So that's just like my little snippet of advice as a non-mum who works with a lot of mums and and focuses on sex. But I'd love to hear from you like in your embodied lived experience of what would be helpful. Um, Firstly, I love that. And that is (laughs) really the key is just like the conversation and the permission to say no but then also to like explore what the edges are in that no so it's Mm. never like rarely is it a a dead no maybe it's like no I don't want to have sex but I would really love a foot massage right Mm. now 
like that when is gonna I? help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I will. It's funny if my partner listens to this, he will be. I love that you just said what you said because that has totally <laughs> been his role, and he now he knows that that is the right role for him. Um, <laughs> so I've got like we moved into we've started something at our house called the massage parlor we light the fire I lie down on the in front of the fire and um I there's it's a non-obligatory not definitely ending in sex massage that I open to receiving and just having a practice like that where there is no expectation on me to Mm. um repay that yes is so beautiful and has helped so much because every time he touched me, I was like, oh, no, you're just going to want to have sex. I really don't want to have sex right now. And, like, would get stuck in that and and would just kind of placate and never um, had the courage, really, and it was just about finding the courage to um, ask for what I actually want right now. Like, if you want to connect, like, this is how we can do it. And we take turns. And to be honest, for a long time there, it was just me receiving loving touch. Um, and probably Pete really uh, had to look after himself in terms of like sexual release mm-hmm. and those sorts of things. But um, now because that base and that trust has been built, like I am able to be more reciprocal. And like I love now just like letting him like Mm. lie down and me just like endlessly giving because we have that, like that, that basis has been um, created and it's, it's glorious. Yeah. Mm. Good job, Pete. Sounds like, sounds like he's doing a good job. (laughs) Yeah, he's doing all right. (laughs) And it's so important to remember something I talk a lot about with clients is we, particularly for people socialized female, we must move away from this model of moment-to-moment equality in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So, like, you give me a massage or you go down on me and now I'm thinking, okay, it's time for me to do it next. No. And also, not only does your equality not need to be in the moment, it doesn't even have to be the same genre. Like, if you're in the season of motherhood, like, you're already doing so much for the family and the relationship. Like, maybe the the equality is that you just get your pussy eaten whenever you want it, and that's all sex is until you say you want something different. Yes. I am screaming right now. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can scream while you're talking on this podcast, but I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yes, um, totally. And that, I think that moment to moment equality and like, just not honoring how much, like I, I did it for years. It was like, I would feel guilty when one thing was handed to me without even mm-hmm. recognizing all of the other shit that I'd been doing all day. Like you just have yes. this amnesia for how much you're outpouring as soon as like, and then you get thrown like a scrap of something <laughs> and you're like, thank you, Mark. <laughs> yes. Oh, fuck yes. I feel like for me, the best medicine for this has been the deep thank you. Like whenever you mm. notice it bubbling up of you wanting to react with like a, for me, it's like a verbal diary. Oh, thank you so much for doing that. Oh, I really appreciate that. I know you had a long day. Blah, 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 blah. 
Whenever I notice that feeling come up or internalize guilt, I just take a really deep breath and make really intense eye contact and just give a really deep thank you. Like, thank you so much for bringing me this. It feels Mm. so good to just lay here and drink this glass of water and not have to get up. Mm. And then like that is so feeding to the other person. They're like, oh, yeah, I did good. Mm, Totally. And again, it just comes back to like, being present in that moment and not like yeah overcompensating or trying to fix anything and like just like relishing in it all oh this makes me so happy is there anything in this kind of realm that we haven't touched on that you'd like to presence today I feel like because I'm I'm noticing the time and I feel like I could literally talk about this with you all night same, um, <laughs> but I think already this is such a good infusion for folks, but I'm just wondering if there's anything you want to touch on. I guess um, I would really, I mean, different strokes for different folks, but I do find that um, understanding yourself and like finding um ways to find acceptance in who you are so for me it was really um astrology was so so helpful on my journey of like self-acceptance and and um not only focusing on all of the things that I'm doing wrong and like sitting Mm. deep in the shadows and trying to find ways to fix myself when I started to understand my astrology chart and um, look at like my innate, my soul's like contract and why I'm here. It just let me, um, you know, kind of rest back in my body and go, okay, like that's just me and that's who I am. And like, how can I find ways to um, be in, in my integrity, you know, knowing all of these things. And so um, I just want to say, yeah, we, we can get, stuck like trying to understand ourselves and we talk about the medicine a lot and when we talk about the medicine it's very tempting to dive into the shadows and to try and you know figure everything out but while that is helpful it's also super important always to come back to the light and to find the pleasure and the joy as well so Mm. yeah that's just I think I want everybody to um just give themselves a little break (laughs) yeah you know and just rest back and like know that pleasure isn't just in the absence of pain and pain isn't just in the absence of pleasure and they both exist and they coexist and like we have a choice in every moment to yeah give ourselves a little bit of love and acceptance and um yeah, I think that's the key. Mm. We don't want to burn out. <laughs> it's so true. I notice a practice that's been super helpful for me is when I'm feeling judged or I'm feeling like someone doesn't understand me. I just try to go into it and think like, is it true perhaps that this is a part of myself that I've not come to terms with? Because the things that I'm really comfortable in, like I feel really grounded in my sexuality and I'm grateful and privileged to be in that space. And I've also done a lot of work to get there. And if someone says to me like, oh, it's so fucking weird that you're kinky, like, oh, that just creeps me out. I just, I'm like, okay, great. Let's talk about that. Cool. Like could not be 
even slightly offended by it because I just really see it as a reflection of where someone else is at. So really, I love that advice of just giving yourself a break and maybe like leaning into parts of yourself that you you haven't really fully loved and snuggled Mm. around yet. Mm. And all of that stuff, if we're going to bring it back to birth, that shit comes up in birth. Mm. Like all of the things that you think that you've like tucked away for, you know, forever, they, they will emerge. Um, And, you know, yeah, meeting them with, some love and some compassion and and leaning into like the expansion as well as the contraction so Mm -hmm. when we are meeting those parts of ourselves also taking a minute to notice where we feel ease and what we do feel good about like what we are confident in in our bodies also Mm. that's so true these these myriad of things that make us up are so wonderful and uh the last time I spoke to Sunny she said something that really resonated with me so I'm just going to quote you here so that our listeners can hear it uh she said there's a big difference and I might be getting a little bit wrong so you feel free to correct me but there's a big difference between pretty and beautiful and I really really love that idea of like the raw messy primal complicated nuanced parts of yourself are really beautiful and we don't need I think we don't need to keep holding ourselves particularly as women or anyone of a marginalized gender to this standard of being pretty like I always say that you know being a good girl or being pretty isn't the rent that you have to pay to be a woman in this world like you get to just be yourself and that's enough yeah fuck pretty fuck pretty (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, and pretty, I think, is is that, um, sorry, pretty comes from, yeah, the outward looking in. Like our Mm -hmm. perception is everybody outside is looking at me. Beautiful, I think, comes from like we are seated and it's from the inside looking out at the world and like Mm. through our own lens. I love that. And just releasing the need to for everybody to like everything about us because they mm. don't and it doesn't matter and they won't. So it's a waste of your time. Honestly, thinking about what's a waste of my time has been so good in my life of just like, oh, I'm really obsessing over this thing. Is this a good use of my time? No. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And also mothers really get so stuck in comparison with each other. Mm. It is wild because you know, there's a standard to meet, I guess, and people feel like there's so much mom guilt and so much parent guilt out there. Um, and the way to conquer it is just to come back. And, like, I do an exercise with uh, the people I work with where I have them write a, like, a 60th speech or, like, you know, a eulogy that their children will deliver when um for them and and get them to like sink into that space and imagine what they would want their children to say about them at their 60th or their funeral and um then that that's the values that's their parenting values and so when you start to compare yourself or when you know um you know Sally's son is doing this before your son or like whatever the hell is is or someone's giving you all of this unwarranted (laughs) advice which they love to do when you have um a baby inside or around you uh just come back to those values and go like what 
what do I care about? How do I want to be a parent in the world? And like that will be ever evolving as well. And it's an exercise that you can just continue to do the more that you emerge Mm -hmm. and unfurl in this new role. And yeah. I'm thank you for sharing that. I'm really excited to do that practice. That sounds so good. Yeah, it's a cute one. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I feel like this idea of um, everyone's perceptions of us as well really comes back to people often don't fucking care and they're not paying attention. And it's often just our idea that they are. There's this great quote, and I forget who says it. Um, feel free to hit me up on Instagram if you're listening to this and you know who said this, uh, which is, You're not the center of the universe, you're the universe having a human experience yeah I just love it that's beautiful and it's fucking on point and yeah no one cares (laughs) about what you're going through as much as you do so just like have a good time gorgeous as you can totally (laughs) (laughs) yeah Thank you so much, Sunny. We always close with the same question, which is if you could give your teenage self a piece of advice, what would it be? Mm. I would tell teenage Sunny to uh, sit down, relax, (laughs) um, and, you know, take up all the space that you need Um, You don't owe anybody anything and you're just hilarious and gorgeous the way you are and you're going to find your power at some point. So stop worrying about whether or not you will. (laughs) Just live, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, like all this, all of this uh, emotional breakdowns about who I am and what I'm going to be like growing up was such a waste of time because you just become that it's a it's always a process and I think we get stuck on um having to be a certain way at any point but you're never there it's just Mm -hmm. constant unfurling and blossoming and all of the things Mm. that's so beautiful thank you so much for coming and talking to me about some of my favorite topics in the world today I know this is going to be so nourishing and valuable to our listeners and I really deeply appreciate it it's my absolute pleasure thank you for having me the sex magic podcast is more than just a podcast we are a collective a community a conversation if what we do here resonates with you I'd like to invite you to join us on patreon But what even is Patreon? It's an online platform where you can directly support artists and creators. In exchange, you receive exclusive benefits. It's a direct form of energetic exchange. If you'd like to join us on Patreon, we have some incredible monthly benefits, such as live Q&As where you can ask us questions every month and tune in to get them all answered. We also have an incredible Discord community where you can connect with other people around the world and talk about things within the realm of sexuality and spirituality, along with monthly resources, rituals, tarot insight, and crystal guides to help further your spiritual path. So if you'd like to support us and show us how much you appreciate the work that we do with the Sex Magic Podcast, I invite you to check out our Patreon 
We have the link down in the show notes, but you can also go on patreon.com slash sex magic podcast.